How do, everybody? This is Johnny, a.k.a. your favorite grazer, Gull. Thank you so much for listening so far, and to satiate that between-episodes hunger, be sure to visit our website, darknexuspodcast.com, where you can peruse our wiki, created and maintained by our very own Katie, find links to our Patreon if you want to help support us, a ginormous thank you to our current patrons, and of course... Check out the amazing artwork by the one and only Matt Walquist. Have you seen this week's masterpiece? Disturbing. Now, put on your listening ears and enjoy Chapter 8. Welcome back to Dark Nexus. My name is Rob. I'm the Game Master. we got our four players with us. I'm Katie. I'm Paul. I'm Robert. And I'm Jenny. Tonight, it's Act 1, Chapter 8. Last week culminated in another deadly battle against a wily doppelganger doctor, this time in Briarstone's laundry room. Dora is currently standing atop a ladder, looking down into a giant wash basin where an abomination is trapped. A priest of the goddess that rejects and despises undeath more than any other has been turned into a ghoul and made to feast on the flesh of the living. Now, you know, we don't live in a world with actual undead monstrosities. <laughs> we don't we don't have a goddess of birth and eternity like Phrasma, so it's hard for us to imagine exactly how horrifying this sight might be. And it's not horrifying in like a gasp, shock kind of way. Ooh, 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 sidebar. You will note that I did not make any of you all roll sanity checks <laughs> against the two ghouls in the laundry room last week. For once, that was not because I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but it was because the circumstances were a little more bizarre and pathetic than truly mind-shattering. But the sight of this priest of Phrasma slurping down human flesh Dora, it turns your stomach and, and you feel, even though you barely remember what it means to live in the world, you feel an actual light dim inside of you. Mm -hmm. So we don't, mm -hmm. we don't have an exact corollary to what Dora's looking at, but imagine, Katie, what you might have felt as, say, a young girl who loved going to church, walking into your church in your hometown to find your pastor eating another human being. Oh. <sighs> Now, you know, it would be awful, it would be terrifying, but I think it would be <laughs> more soul-killing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't understand how what you were looking at could actually exist. You don't know why this sight hits you exactly as hard as it does, but for Dora, a little something, a little piece of order and sense in a world that she's only just now starting to re-puzzle out, a little bit of that sense of order in the world simply dies. We're gonna leave Dora pondering that thought for a moment and turn across the room to where Gulliver is catching his breath after the fight with the shape-shifting Dr. Oathstay. That long, smooth alien body in the blood-soaked doctor's coat lies on the floor. Light from the nearby lantern glints off the magical dagger she kept stabbing and slashing into you in grip. The red light the dagger sheds make it seem like it's covered in even more blood than it already is. And you get, in the light of the red light from this dagger, a flash of memory from a dream 
of a man in living rags hunting you with a war razor. But this is not a memory of the shared dream where masks were sewed to your faces. This is a different dream, a dream you just had while your body lay unconscious on the laundry room floor in the middle of that last fight. It starts rushing back to you and the weight of the memory of it knocks your knees out from under you. You're right there next to one of those two big tables originally designed for laundry but now covered in corpses and you probably drop a hand on the table to hold you up which turns you a bit to the south where you're facing that incongruous full-length mirror in the corner of this makeshift surgery and for the second time in just a few minutes Remember last week you were eyeing yourself in the small hand mirror you yeah. found in the lockers? Yeah. You're looking at yourself in the face, this unknown face, this face you don't recognize at all. And then it seems to shift. It slides and bends, almost like the faces of the shapeshifters do, into a new face, a harder face, a crueler face, a face with absolutely no mercy. Some of the tattooed triangles on the outside edge of the spiral design start disappearing one by one counting backwards rather than forwards. And as you stare at this other face wondering, is that my actual face? The nightmare you just experienced while you were briefly unconscious comes flooding back into the cracks and crevices of your mind. You're in a maze, a maze of passages and alleyways and tight walkthroughs and hidden byways. You seem to be traversing the campus of a labyrinthine university designed by a madman for madmen to study the truth of madness and tentacles and squishy bits and the stars. Dear God, the stars and what lies beyond and between them and what rides on the waves of cancerous light that silently soars through the void. Half of the buildings look like churches with pointed steeples. The other half look like bloated, distended, leaky manor houses with flat roofs. They're all gray stone except for a single golden dome and a single painfully thin leaning tower both of which dominate the skyline. You know to fear the tower. You also know to fear the dome, but the dome is where you must go. You have to chain the night. Time is running out. You melt and transform into a raven. It'll be quicker to fly over all these buildings than to try to navigate this godforsaken maze. But when you leave the ground, crossbow bolts tipped with yellow feathers start flying, and as they clip you, you realize you'll never avoid them all. You are agile as a bird, but not agile enough. Not agile or as quick as a real bird. Crap, you drop to the ground. You transform into a mole. You'll dig under the buildings. Yeah, that's it. You slip your claws into the moist earth and start digging through the worms and the black fungus and the rot and the faces. Faces, that's weird. But you hear the soldiers coming now. They're too close and you're too slow. A real mole would have been hidden underground already, but you just can't move quickly enough. You revert back to your true form, a plague-ridden, snot-covered, useless little boy wearing soiled diapers and tear-soaked orange scarves, and you race for the nearest building. You've got to hide. You're really scared now, so of course you shit yourself again. As you flutter and flop pathetically across the courtyard, shit runs down your legs and onto your feet, and you slip in your own shit and land face-first in a smear of your own waste. It tastes like failure. You briefly think, lying there face down, tasting yourself, fear the corpse orgy. But that thought flutters away on the wind like one detail more than you can process right now, and you pick yourself up. You transform into a ghost in order to walk through the closest wall, but you smash your face and start your nose bleeding. Of course it didn't work. You're not a real ghost, except in the sense that you're a pale imitation of a man, of course. 
You turn into a monkey in order to scamper quickly up to an open second-story window. The cluster of identical orphans watching from the window blow out their torches and slam the window shut. And then the soldiers grab your tail and fling you like a living flail into a nearby tall stone monument, which points at the bruise-colored sky like an angry yellow finger. The monument is wrong. It's both flat and round, it's both tall and squat, it's covered in squirming symbols, and it's etched with stars that have too many points. Why do those stars have too many points? What does it mean? What does it mean? Your head is ringing and your sores are leaking, exactly like your uncles did. And there's so many of the soldiers, they're, they're dressed like dolls in pretty dresses and thick sodden brown diapers, and they're waving weapons around, and they're also waving pieces of soiled yellow parchment covered in black charcoal drawings. What have I done? They all yell. You turn into a cheetah, and you try to run, but you're not fast enough. They shoot you in the leg. You turn into an ogre, but it doesn't work. It never works. You can only become small things, useless things, nothing scary, nothing powerful, nothing dangerous. You'll never be tough enough. You'll never be strong enough. And there you go. They just shot you again. You're bleeding, leaking pus, dripping with shit and failure. You turn into a mosquito. They slap you. You turn into a snake. They chop off the end of your tail and laugh. You look up at the top of the Golden Dome, and you realize how profoundly you failed. The night will never be chained. The gleaming gold of the dome starts to fade away as you lose consciousness. With your last breath, you see one of the doll soldier things shed its skin as a pale man like an eel with teeth and a razor explodes out of it. Blood leaks from his mouth as he says, there you are, clever boy. You've been an odd one to find. Frankly, I don't know how you managed it. All of you getting away from me. You must have had help. You must outside interference. He leans in close. His breath smells like shit, like literal excrement rotting in a dark wet hole just over his shoulder you see the crying man the man with the wet eyes the man with the long white hair the man cloaked in misery walking through the courtyard as if none of the scene were actually happening and he had somewhere well just a little more horrifying to be look at me when i'm talking to you look at me never look at him know this you can't hide from me in here no one can not forever. Look, wanna see a horse? A magnificent pale horse enters the courtyard. Wanna see it die? The soldiers turn in unison and jump on the horse. They pull it down with their bare hands and they all grow lamprey mouths and they start eating the horse piece by piece while it's still alive and wriggling and screaming until eventually it's no longer alive. Yeah, yeah, yummers. So, so, he won't let me out to play out there. But he can't control me in here. Neither can you. Oh, you thought you were so good at hiding, didn't you? Yeah, you were. You were. I'll give you that. Better than the orc man. Oh, he was fun. Never been a kid in a dog mask before. <laughs> and the boy. Oh, so sweet. So broken. I've always wanted to watch a joy-making. But you thought you could hide from me. No longer. Gotcha now. Every single time you close your eyes, 
From now on, I'll be there. He reaches out a filthy finger, and you're just frozen as he casually sticks it into your ear up to the third knuckle. Something pops in your head. It was something important, something you desperately needed to keep hidden from him. <laughs> well, looky, looky, looky. I know you do magics now. <laughs> oh, oh, you and the kid. Better hang on to those extracts, because you will never sleep again. Oh, and tell your wife something for me, will ya? Yeah, you're slipping it to her in the dark. You whisper something in her ear for me. Tell her this, she may think her mind is a fortress, a mansion on a hill with a hedge maze and everything, but you tell her, Mummy's coming. Down your mouth, down your throat, down to the ocean to die. He rips your testicles off with one clawed hand to the sound of a hideous pop. Never really got much use out of that, did you? And the razor blade slashes out with the other hand towards what remains of your useless, shitty face, and in the split second before you die, time literally stops. Oi, I know your real name. Do you? And your face splits in two, and you die. And then you wake. And then you come to. And as you look in the mirror in that halfway space between memory and Reality between waking and dreaming, you, you watch as blood starts leaking out of your nose. You don't take hit point damage this time like Grip and Ray did, but the blood is real and the others see it. And as you catch the glint of lantern light off your metal teeth, you become hyper aware that your mouth is filled with rusted iron and the metallic tang just hits you wrong and you feel your gorge rise and again you find yourself vomiting. It's not as bad as when you were vomiting blood inside the mask sewed to your face, but it's pretty bad. Doors looking down at the abomination. The two of you are pulling yourself together after the fight and you see Gulliver just go ashen and start vomiting in the corner back by the full-length mirror. Gulliver? What's wrong? Are you all right, man? Oh! Maybe we should take him out of here. Come on, my friend. Let's get out of here. Yeah, okay. Should we get some water from the boiler? I think so. We'll have to come back here. We can't leave this creature alive. And you also have, just as a reminder, in the northern half of the laundry room, there is a a man chained to a pipe. Saren Ray, I think, but... Mm, who knows? She's the flame, right? She's the the, she the healing light, the dawn flower, the That is who Saren Ray is. But that's not this what particular the flame, flame is not ringing a bell to you. Okay. That was chalked on his forehead. Oh, I just have yeah. to say this is this is not Gulliver, this is Johnny. Johnny's mind just exploded from everything <laughs> that you just <laughs> threw at me, in yeah, me, yeah. on me. I will say that Gulliver's initial response is that as awful as all that was He's like, that that fucking thing, whatever it is, that it I don't trust it, I don't believe it, it's trying to fuck with me. There's no reason why it would tell me the truth. It fuck that thing. Fuck that guy. Is he saying this out loud? Yeah, yeah, he's saying it out loud, absolutely. Great, so you guys can hear this. What are you talking about? Nothing. Nothing. You heard someone talking to you? Yeah, bad bad fucking dream. Bad fucking dream. 
right well. I'm okay. Well, I'm dreams okay. aren't nothing here. You saw what a dream did to me, right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm all right. Maybe you should tell us what's going on. Gulliver, your your face was that part of your dream too? What? You're bleeding. Yeah, that 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 the uh, the lady hit me in the face. A late a lady hit you in the face. The lady. The doctor. Is that what happened? It seemed like your nose just started bleeding right before you started heaving your guts up. Yeah, haven't you ever been, like, you know, hit in the face and then later on it started bleeding? Not really, no. It doesn't matter. He needs attention. Yeah. Can the thing get out of the... Do I think the thing can get out of the laundry basin that it's in? It's currently focused on eating. You do believe if it, its attention was focused on nothing but getting out, it would only be a matter of time. It's a high jump, but, but it could, do it it could maybe eventually do it. We have to deal with this thing. I think I can help release this poor creature from the torture that it's under. That would be a mercy. So I'm going to channel positive energy as a weapon against undead. I'm going to climb up on top of that ladder, call upon the power. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, maybe we can get the other one in here, too. <laughs> There's another one chained up in the next room. We could get them both at once somehow. Two with one blow? Yeah. I'm willing to give it a try, but I think once we distract that other one from the feasting it's doing, we'll have to contend with what that, what that, the, how that affects it. Yes, and I, I'm in no shape to... How, how many more times today? can you do that today? After I do this, I'll have three more. Before we do that, shouldn't we, like, everybody get, you know, better? Yeah, what, what is everybody sitting at? I'm all right. Okay. I'm, I'm at four out of 15. I'm at, uh, I believe, like, one hit point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. so Gull and Grip are pretty injured. Yeah, okay. The one in the other room is chained, though, right? Correct. Yeah. So that one's less of an immediate issue than the one that could potentially yeah. get out of We could throw the... rocks at the other one until it dies. I mean, Ugh. it's chained. But it might be able to get the other thing, and it might be able to get out once it's not distracted by what it's eating anymore. If the ghoul in the other room were distracted from the corpse it was currently eating, it would eat and it. upset it could move past it and try to attack the man that's chained there. Maybe we should go get that guy. Which who's one? Who's totally insane. The man who's still alive out there who said uh, words fail me and wasn't able to... Yeah, we said we'd come back for him. Yeah. We should at least get him away from the chained creature before it eats him, if it hasn't already. But we should heal first. Yeah. I'm going to cure light wounds on Gil. Who's Gil? Gil? Who's Gil? Who's Gil? Gull. Oh, that's me. Vowel discrimination is very important. (laughs) (laughs) And your name is Gerd? When When you go to touch him, he flinches. It's grid. Mm. Gulliver, I need to touch you with my hand in order to heal you. That's not true. You, you can do that other thing. I can. I can do that yeah, other you thing. You don't have to touch me. Okay. Fair enough. So the two of you together at the same time, channeling positive energy. That's a total of six. That's great. That's great. great. On the die. I'm almost up to total, so that's good enough for me. Okay. For the record, you have standing permission to touch me to heal me any fucking time you want. Um, I'm going to uh, smile at that and pat you on your big old cheek and give you, that's an eight on the die. Eight plus one is nine. Fantastic. Thank you. You're welcome. There is 
a bunch of stuff on the table that realistically your characters would be seeing at this moment. So I'll mm -hmm. tell you a little bit of what you see. You also haven't had a chance to take a good look at that. What, you, what you know is a magical dagger that the doctor was carrying. Mm -hmm. On the table, crammed in with the two bodies that have been opened with surgical tools, is what you can assess to be essentially a full kit of surgeon's tools, their masterwork. And there is a leather and canvas backpack sort of jammed in under one of the bodies. Looking over the doctor, she's got this glowing dagger and she has a little vial with glowing bubbling liquid tucked into a little pocket on the side of her doctor's coat. Can I make an alchemy check? You may. 12. All right, you can tell it is a magical potion, but you aren't able to figure out what it does. Great. Uh, spellcraft check? You want to cast some detect magic and uh, check these auras out? Yeah. Great. So you open up your senses to the presence of magical auras, and the dagger is definitely glowing, and that potion is glowing as well. Also, the backpack on the table is exuding a magical aura. Hmm. So if you want to make a spellcraft check on those items, you may. Do I make just one check for all three, or do you want me to make three separate checks? Let's make three separate checks for now. Why don't okay. we start with the dagger? Okay, dagger. 19 on the die plus 5 is 24. It's a plus 1 dagger. Plus 1 dagger. That can never be wielded in Grip's presence. <laughs> Fucking terrifying is what it is. So that dagger will add a plus 1 enhancement bonus to every attack and damage roll one makes with it. Uh, how about the potion? Potion. Uh, 18 on the die plus 5 is 23. Look at you. Wow, that's Identify nice. Magic it's a potion of cure light wounds that will heal 1d8 plus 1 hit points when drunk as a standard action. Now, check out that backpack. Backpack. 18 on the die plus 5, 23. Even though I feel pretty good about that check, now that I've um, identified these other two items in front of the, these guys, I want to be really sure. You're trying um, to avoid some shame. I huh? don't want, I want to avoid feeling shameful. So I'm going to take an action point and I roll five. So 23 plus five is 28. Fantastic. Thanks to your shame. <laughs> uh, potential shame. Thanks yes, to the avoidance shame. of your shame, you are able to determine that this item is one of the greatest things a low-level party can find, which is a handy haversack. It is an amazing little backpack that has pockets, each of which are essentially extra-dimensional spaces. So you can shove all sorts of stuff into them and they never add to the weight of the backpack itself. So it weighs five pounds and each of the pockets can hold two cubic feet in volume, 20 pounds in weight, and the central portion can hold up to 80 pounds of material. It's really fantastic. That's awesome. It's also got the special ability, because it is magic, every time you reach your hand into it, the object that you're envisioning comes immediately to hand. So recovering any item from the haversack is a move action that does not provoke an attack of opportunity, unlike a whole bunch of other drawing of items actions. That is amazing. I would like to keep the handy haversack. Go nuts. It would and probably encumber me. There is no... Oh. <laughs> Speaking of encumberment... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's going to throw you over the edge, isn't it? That's going to throw me over the edge. Yep. Fine, I'll carry it. You know, I, I could certainly carry it, and I could put some of my other things that I'm carrying that are pretty heavy for me. I could put them in there. Go, I, I think I would feel better about Grip carrying it, to be honest. Why? Well, you know, I know that you feel a little... Well, I don't know your feelings, Gull, but 
it's been my experience that you're a little touchy about the things that you hold on to and whether you're willing to share knowledge of them, details about them. What do you mean? What was it like when you discovered that we had looked at that book? I don't know. How do you like it when someone digs around in your underwear? I've never had that experience. Oh, well, let me tell you. If you don't want someone to do it and they do it, it's not a lot of fun. I vote for Grip to carry the hand, the handy haversack. Oh yeah, let him do it. I also think Grip should carry it simply because he's clearly the strongest of us. But Gulliver, we do owe you an apology. I am very sorry for the intrusion. It wasn't right. It wasn't a show of trust that you've done nothing not to earn. I'm I'm very sorry. Thank you. That's very that's very kind. It's only right. So Grip will carry the haversack. Yes. Put it on your sheet. <laughs> what am I doing? I'm, let me Put do it. it. Let me sheet. do it. Grip, I also feel like you should carry this potion of cure light wounds. <laughs> I, I was going to suggest that. That's a great idea. Yeah. I, I 100% agree with you on that. <laughs> Gulliver, would you like to carry this dagger? Sure. Yeah. I'll put it away. <laughs> Thank you. Doesn't matter. You... You can play with it all you want right now. I'm shaking at the moment, so <laughs> go nuts. Play Mumbledy Pig, whatever. So, Grip, as you're putting the potion into the haversack for easy access, <gasps> you discover there's stuff in it. Oh. You reach your hand in and you pull out a small pouch with a few coins in it and a small metal box. It's made of silver. It's wrapped in cord, like leather cording. Inside the pouch are three platinum pieces and a pearl. I don't know much, I'm not terribly bright, but I know it's bad to just start opening boxes you find willy-nilly. Would anyone like to look at this thing before we open it? I can detect magic on it. I can do, take a look at it too. Sure. See if there's anything you know, See if it's wrong tra- with it. Trapped or anything? Yeah. So Ray, as you cast Detect Magic, you, you notice magical auras coming off of both the pearl and the box. You want to try to spellcraft those two items? Yes. Check out that pearl. Pearl first. Natural two on the die. Damn it. It was bound to happen. It was bound to happen. So we don't know anything about the pearl for the next 24 hours. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. Can Great I check job. again tomorrow? Is Great that job. right? Is yes, that that's correct. Okay. Ooh, eight on the die for the box plus five is a 13. Unknown on the box as well. Damn it. Sorry, folks. Should we still check to see if it's mechanically trapped? Yeah, I can do that. I wonder if I can even use if it is what I think it is. I don't even know if I can. Natural three, and I'm going to use my last action point (laughs) (laughs) to try to not look like an idiot. Oh, no. Total crackdown. How's that working? (laughs) Not, not. (laughs) For one, that's a total of four plus... uh, uh, 11. You do look like an idiot. <laughs> it's not trapped. It's not trapped. Success. Is it locked? It is not locked. I open it. Oh. Wait a minute. I'm actually going to try to bluff to make it look like I didn't make a mistake so that I <laughs> appear to have <laughs> really? to do everything I'm he doing. He said that you looked like an idiot. So I think you <laughs> just look like now. an idiot. <laughs> uh, it's empty. The box it's is empty. empty. Yeah. All right. It's very small, like picture. It's like two inches wide, two inches tall. Can yeah, it's I like a, like a dice box? Look at that it. Oh, like a nice dice May box. May I look at it? Absolutely. Here you go. 
Dora summons the thought of that ringing bell and is flooded with curiosity. This is the box or the pearl? Well, I'm holding the box. This is a radius spell, but I also would like to make a perception check on the box as there might be a hidden mm-hmm. thing on it that isn't a trap. Great, make a check. No. <laughs> no, it's just a box. The dice gods are not <laughs> with a, us today. Yeah, they are giving on us the die and fours and below. Not real good at that. So as you open your awareness to psychic significance, you do feel radiating waves of warm light coming off of the box that you're holding. Hmm. Not the pearl, not the backpack, not particularly anything else in this room, but that box seems as though it was special to somebody at some point. So, may I hold on to this? Yeah. I'd like to study it further, though maybe not just now. If it's all right with everyone. As long as it won't encumber you. <laughs> it has no weight. <laughs> Thank God. Even okay. so. Even so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really. That's magic, uh, a weightless box. <laughs> Negligible weight. It's a oh. box of holding, maybe. Yeah, so she'll tuck it in with other small things that she carries. Uh, but we really must deal with these two creatures now. And the man in the hall. Quick, one last quick question. The dagger, you said it was glowing. Is it glowing like it like emits light? It does emit light like a torch, 20 feet of light. And as you are sort of playing around with it carefully, like turning your back to grip and keeping it out of his view, as you think about the light that it's shedding, you discover that with your mind, you can essentially turn it on and off as oh. though it were on, a, on kind of like a... Uh, a light switch, essentially. If I uh, wrap it up like as if it was sheathed, yes. does the handle emit light or is it just the blade? It's the blade. Okay, thank you. Yes. Cool. All right, so we have ghoul banging around, noisily eating inside the wash basin. You hear the sounds of the ghoul to the north, chewing and munching, and the whimpering of the man in the yellow painted bed sheet. Hey, Bray. Yeah. What do we know about these things? These flesh-eating things? Yeah, that with the long tongue. What, what, what are they? Do you want to make a knowledge religion check, Ray? Sure. Natural one. They're long tongue So you things. really know what they are, but it's <laughs> plus five is a six. All right, so I've already named them as ghouls, but that's about what you know. It's they seem to crave flesh. So let's not give them any. Agreed. We can feed it her. He kicks the, we the need doctor. That, we need that body though to show the yes. tools at the barricade. Oh, that's right. Grip, do you think the chain that's holding the ghoul in the other room, is that something that you'd be able to rend? Like, can you break that chain to bring it over here? It's like breaking, break the chain off the wall to like be then be a leash? Yeah. So it's manacles on both of his wrists swung over a pipe. Hmm. It seems more likely, given the structural damage the building has taken, that Grip might actually be able to, you know, bend or break the pipe before he could break the manacles. But he's pretty strong. Like, with a good strength check, he might also be able to bust the manacles. My only fear is that How once... How close would he have to get to do that? He could do that, say, on the end of the human man, rather than close to the goal. Right, right, right. Well, we could also try to, then... like, get the human man out of there before we do that. Well, I think if we're freeing one, we're freeing the other unless we break the manacles, right? Like Are the manacles like pickable? Were they or were they like bolted? 
They are pickable. Oh. And are they both slung over the same pipe? Yes. Okay. So let's maybe get the guy out if we can first and then deal with the ghouls. Sure. Do they seem to have plenty of food for a little bit? So the the one inside the wash basin, yeah, he's yeah. got he's got at least 10, 15 minutes of food. <laughs> and the ghoul to the north, as you head up into the other room where these three Just figures are chained, at us, you know, it has finished the piece of arm it was eating before, and now it is scooted to the south and is chewing off the face of the dead woman. <laughs> as you all enter, it turns its sort of canine-like head and stares at you with those little pinpricks of red light in its eyes and goes good back doggy. to eating. Good yeah. doggy. Nobody wants to take away your meat. You just keep that. You're going to talk to it? Yeah, I'm just... Good doggy. Good doggy. My skin sack. Your, your skin sack, yeah. My skin sack. Yeah, yeah. Your skin sack. And, and uh, he's going to come up around the corner right next to the human guy and get out his picks and kind of be looking at the manacles. Does, does he the, need a boost? The, 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 the guy, the guy hanging from the thing, he looks at you and he says, praise, praise. He's nodding his head and he's crying, he's crying, praise. Looks like if you had a little boost from grip, you could reach the, uh, the manacles above his head and you is could do any, it from the ground. But. Is there anything that I could like just stand on to do it? Or drag over to stand on? Sure. Chunks of rubble on yep. the uh, east wall of the room. Hey, hey, Grip, could you grab some of that rubble for me? Like a big piece? Aye. Praise. Praise. And as Grip is hauling rubble over across the room to you, the man puts his head on your shoulder and he whispers, Words fail. Words fail. I, 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 I. And then... Wait, he puts his head on my shoulder? Yeah. You can see Gulliver, like, trying to not just, like, rip his body away from this guy. He's just almost shaking. But you let his head stay there. I let his head stay there until he lifts it away, and then he kind of, like, moves himself away, and, uh, like, yeah, 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 okay. You've got a little damp spot on your your armor from all of his tears and... The blood on his face. Oh, there's they so much shit there already. It doesn't matter. All right, so make a disabled device check as you pull out those lock picks and take your first stab at these manacles. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stab them right with the pick. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, natural 17 for a total of 25. Oh, snicked. So you get the manacle off of his right arm, and he immediately whips his left arm over and he sort of squats down and stares at you with a very intense face. And he looks at the four of you. He looks at the ghoul. And he seems frozen. He's waiting for some signal of what to do. Sense motive? Sure. I will Eleven. Also, I will also <laughs> sense motive. Yeah, I know normally we don't like to pile on, but I feel like this is a fair moment for uh, people to be like, what is sure. this yeah, going to do it? 10 for a total of 16. And what'd you get? Less than that. Katie. 
I imagine your characters are probably giving him the exact look that the four of you are giving me right now, which is a, uh, uh, what, what the? We don't want to hurt you. Praise. We're not going to hurt you. Words fail. I understand. Words fail. Yeah. So she just nods. He nods. Holds a hand to her heart. He holds a hand on his heart. Praise. 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 He looks right in Gull's eyes, who's probably the closest to him at this moment. He says, Xandalus sees. And then he runs for the north door. Do you want to let him go or try to stop him? Let him go. Let him go. All right. So you hear bare feet running, running, running. You hear him like trip and fall in the room that had the exploding corpse in it. He probably yells, praise, as he hits his head on the ground. You hear him scrambling up to his feet. He's running through the locker area, and you hear him yell at the top of his lungs, Sandalasis! You hear a bunch of shouting, presumably from the barricade, hold there, stop, 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 and then thwack, 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 thwack. And then everything goes silent. The ghoul turns to you and says, Rips off a big chunk of her face. Is there a check to be made on, on the, the word Zandalus, or name yeah. Zandalus? Yes. Let's make a knowledge history? local check. <clears throat> I can make that. Okay, you try it. 15 on the die for nice. plus 7, plus an additional 6, since I get that automatically inspir- inspired. For uh, 18 plus 7, uh, what is... 25. 25. Okay. So, Gull, that name rings the faintest of bells. Xandalus. Not because the person was important, but because the person was associated with important people. There was an Ulver Xandalus, U-L-V-E-R-Z-A-N-D-A-L-U-S, that was associated with a whole bunch of expeditions that were made by the Syncomacti School of Sciences, which is basically Galarian's equivalent of what's the Lovecraft University? Miscatonic. 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 So picture that. Where is it located? It is located in Ustalov, in the city of Rosenport. There's a chunk of time where the University was funding these incredibly high-profile expeditions to the various southern continents, to the deserts, to the mountains, to the jungles. They were specifically searching for secrets left behind from fallen empires. And the name Ulver Zandalus just pings your memory as someone who was a part of those expeditions and then never achieved much fame beyond that. So I don't know if he, like, disappeared on an expedition, was never heard from again, just that he was someone that was part of this university that went on expeditions. Correct. And the, the publicity for these expeditions was continent-wide. So everyone associated with them, for anybody paying attention, was essentially listed. And your brain apparently just, like, grabbed that piece of knowledge. And how long ago... I mean, I don't know when it is, so I, I don't know. I have no idea in terms of what time period this would be, if it was like 150 years ago or you like two years ago. You think of it as decades ago. Okay. Somewhere between 20 and 50 years. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, 
I know we haven't gotten to this, but I know you did mention to us at one point that there are things like libraries and things like that that, that we will get to mm-hmm. check around in. Mm-hmm. Is this the sort of thing that something like that might be able to be compounded on? Yes. Exactly. Ooh, exciting. Yes. Library Hold thing. that thought. Dude. I will Fantastic. do so. All right. You got a ghoul? You got a dude that presumably just died down the hall? What's the plan? Can I just psychically throw rocks at this one until it's dead? Gulliver has Gulliver has an idea. The the pieces of body and stuff that are on the tables. Yes. Like how many are there lots of body parts? In the southern half of the laundry room there is at least a dozen corpses. He's gonna go over to the ghoul out of its reach and go, Meat Thack. My meat sack. Your meat thack. More meat thack. And he's gonna motion towards the door. It cranks its canine-like head down there and starts to emit this musk, this sort of heady, thick, kind of skunk-like corpse rot smell. I back away from it. You you want more meat thack? Mine. Yorth. Mine. Yorth. Yes. Yes. I can get you out of that, and you can go in there and have more meat thack. Yes. More meat thack. Yes? Yes. Yes. It stops eating the woman and is now nodding its head at you. Stinking. What do you think? Dora gets out of the path of the <laughs> ghoul to the room behind it. Dora's moving further to the north, away from all of this. Toward the door. I know that this is like a non-living creature, but can I try to make a sense motive check on it, whether or not it's going to try to attack me or like go for this food? Can, can I sense motive on Gulliver to see what the fuck he's planning on doing? <laughs> We just want to get them both in that room, right? Yeah. I think you could. Go ahead and give me a check. All right. I'll try. For a total of 22. You feel like it really wants the flesh in front of it, the flesh in the other room, and the flesh speaking to it. (laughs) I mean, at least he's reliable. That's really all you want from someone that wants meat sacks is reliability. (laughs) (laughs) Count on him. Yeah, you, you don't get a good feeling about from you just this feel like, cool. feel like it would just, if we ripped it off, it would just be like, great, I'm going to start with you, yes. yeah. and then I'm going to eat all the other meat sacks. Because you're alive and wriggling. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that it's going to go for the idea of the meat sack in the other room. You want to you wanna do your thing, Ray? Four points of positive energy. So Ray steps forward and releases a wave of positive energy, and you see the the ghouls like stagger back against the wall and <laughs> crumble into ash. Oh, oh Word fail. Quite powerful. Good job, Ray. I would like to release the priest in the basin in the other room. I'll, I'll go with you. Same thing down there? Yeah, yeah. I'll, go, I'll go too. Five. This one fails its will save as well and <laughs> crumbles into a pile of dust inside the wash basin. Wow. Great. Well done. It's good to know that that works. You hear in sudden succession (coughs) four massive blasts of thunder. Sounds like directly above the building you're in, you feel the floor momentarily shake, and on the end of that fourth blast of thunder, you hear the echo into the distance 
and then as the four of you are looking at each other, the ground starts feeling a little liquid. You, you, do, you pull a total Star Trek and all of you whoosh, like three feet to the side <laughs> as the earth begins shaking beneath your feet. You hear above you chunks of building falling down the end of the hallway. In this short span of time, you hear the sound of people screaming. Pieces of the rubble on the side of this room are collapsing in on themselves. There's now a hole opened straight into the room with the lockers in it. And then, just as soon as it started, everything goes still. And below you, in the ground beneath your feet, you hear like further cascading aftershocks, like stuff underneath your feet is falling in and on, on itself and giant chunks of rubble are crashing and everything feels really unsteady. We have to get out of here. Grip, can you grab that corpse? Uh, I will grab the corpse. The doppelganger corpse. Doppelganger corpse. So Grip throws the doppelganger corpse over his shoulder. Four of you boogie back down the hall. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're running, 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 right, running. Right through the hole. Yeah. Oh, you can go right through the hole. Absolutely. Yeah. And you pass the body of the man in yellow with the chalk-stained forehead lying riddled with crossbow bolts, and you see the full complement of six again back at the barricade. Obviously the approach of your little buddy triggered a show of force at the barricade. All of them are pointing their crossbows at you. You see the, the Javier Bardem looking dude hold up a hand as you approach. Come no further, what you got there? I dropped the doppelganger corpse at my feet. The third fucking corpse you asked for. Was that you? Did you do that? No. What the fuck is going on? Tell me it's not starting again. We don't even know what you're talking about. What's starting again? The woman that you had been dealing with before. It's it's time now. They need to see Winter. We need to let them through. So, all right. Hand over your weapons as you come through. They go and they open. There is There is a door that goes into the hallway just north of the barricade and one just south of the barricade. You see a couple of them go into the southern room and then you hear some of keys unlocking the door on your side. Beyond there, you can see what looks like a destroyed supply room with a massive hole bashed through it into a room to the south, which looks like maybe once it was like a gardener's office. They've all got crossbows pointed at you and the boy is holding out his hands to take your weapons. I hand over my crossbow. Great. Takes it. And sickle. Do we want to hand things over or try to hold on to them? I'm I'm sickened and fatigued. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of at the end of my resources. I'm going to hand it over. Okay. Will takes I get it. this back? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get this back. I, I won't take it out of your sight. I promise. Thank you. Uh, you're going to take my fucking hands from me then. That's all I've got. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, and you? They look at you, Gull. Yeah, but, like, if you thought we were, like, one of these doppelgangers, like, we could just hit you with a, a fifth, right? That's what they did to us a lot. Shall we kill him? Oh, no, here you go. <laughs> no, no problem, here you go. Is there anything and you're going to try to hang on to, Johnny? He, uh, he hands over his uh, rapier. He hands over the magical dagger. He's like, here you go, be very careful with it. It's very sharp. And uh, when he, like, makes it glow... <laughs> Great. He hands over another dagger that he pulls out of his boot. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, okay, there you go. And he has one dagger hidden in the small of his back. <laughs> Excellent. So should we have to uh, deal with that? We'll make a sleight of hand check at that time. 
Dora watches her friends hand over all of their weapons, but her mind is spinning. Is there a connection between Ray channeling that power and hearing the thunder in his name? We've heard the name twice now, mm-hmm. and you know, player Katie just doesn't remember what was happening the la- when we when we last heard played it, when we heard it yeah. the last time. But Dora would th- that was only yesterday or something (laughs) so like Dora might be able to make a connection you know between the circumstances we were in and the circumstances of hearing the thunder and the name the first time you heard the name was when you simply re-entered the hallway after your day and a half of Uh rest in the boiler room with the red paint as the red paint was falling you heard his voice called in the thunder you weren't at the moment fighting anything or using any special abilities So they take all of your weapons from you and then with crossbows pointed right at you, start marching you south down the hall. There are two doors at the end of the hall. On the right-hand side as you're heading are a set of double doors which they open up and they're clearly steering you into. On the very southern edge of the hall is a door going south. You see that sort of like creak open. A handsome young man with uh, dark skin, bright eyes, like a picture of really young Tay Diggs. Mm. He's wearing cleric's robes and he's got two small children, a girl and a boy, sort of hugging his knees. And he just pokes his head out and the guard that they had called Den the other day just waves ahead, it's right, it's right, it's all right. And they close that door. As you veer off into the right. Did he have a, an obvious uh, holy symbol? He did not. He was not wearing a holy symbol. As you veer off into the right through these double doors, to the left, you can see the hallway turns to the east. There's one more door right next to the door the man just came out of, but just past that, there is a bed sheet hung up to sort of block the hallway. And behind that, you can hear what sounds like a man weeping. You hear a... The crying man. Does it sound like, yeah, the crying man? For those of you that have experienced the crying man in your dreams, it does sound like the crying man. So is that everybody but me? Everybody but Dora. (laughs) That poor man. The crying man has been described to us. I'm trying to remember. Well, I saw the crying man in my nightmare. But did you describe him to us afterwards? I'm trying to remember... Now, if he actually related that information in his dream. No. And did you relate any information in your dream about the crying man? I've forgotten how the crying man figured into my dream. I, d- yeah, I don't, I don't think you did. You talked about dogs and waste, and okay. but you didn't go into detail. So when we, when we pass by that and hear that, Gull is going to say to himself, Son of a bitch. The crying man. What did you say? Did you say something? Yeah. The crying guy, I thought he sounded like something that I thought something I remembered. familiar. Sounds familiar to me too, Go. You're ushered into a large chapel space that seems architecturally sound in a way you have not yet seen a room. There are pallets clustered beneath sculpted divinities and cooking fires are burning beneath cracked windows across the way. Giant two-story tall panels of violet and blue stained glass form spiraling patterns between prison-like bars. 
and there are candles lit all over this chapel. You can see a massive altar with a statue of a woman carved on top of it. She is wearing long robes and is hooded and is holding an hourglass in her hand. Ray immediately would recognize her as Farazma. There are little statues and shrines to other deities all over the room in little pockets uh, to Avadar, to Desna, Arastil, Gozre, Irori, Serenre, Shailen, and even directly to your left as you head in in a small alcove, there's a shrine to Asmodeus as well. You see people in the room. Across the way, there's a little cluster of four folks, three of them in patients' robes. There's a middle-aged man and a woman in her 20s leaning on each other and sleeping. There's a little boy sleeping near them. There's a woman in her 30s asleep under blankets, and you can see her leg is like set in a splint. There are a couple of dead men like half covered in blankets on the southern wall, away from where people are sleeping. And at the center of the room is a breathtaking woman in her 30s, super badass looking in fitted black leather and chain. She's got one icy blue eye and one glowing purple eye. When you picture her, picture Anya Chalatra, who plays Yennefer of Megamer, nice. The Witcher on Netflix. And she's awesome. She opens her hands and she says, Welcome to the chapel. My name is Winter Kleshka. Before you say one word to me, know this. You have proven yourselves to my friends. You have proven yourselves to be capable of violence. And that is all. To them, this proves you are not monsters. To me, you must do more. My tests are the tests of patience and of charity. You will sit here for one day and speak no word to any of us. This is something these creatures, doppelgangers or ghouls, are incapable of. Prove to me that you are human. She looks at Grip. M my apologies. Words. Do they fail? Do the words fucking fail? <laughs> Katie's making a what about me gesture as well. Words are filled with flaws. Prove to me that you are capable of overcoming your base instincts. And then tomorrow, if you pass this test, there is the test of charity. Give of yourself to us. Observe us this day and this night. See what we need. And then extend yourselves to help us. And I will know that you are not a monster. Do you accept these terms? Dora nods. She doesn't speak. Mm -hmm. And she finds a corner away from everyone else, but where she can see. Winter gestures else. to the alcove near the door where Great. the shrine to Asmodeus is that seems to be clearly prepared for folks to camp out in. She goes there and sits and looks out on the people in the room. Great. Are we docked points if we fall asleep? You may sleep. You may eat. We will give you food. Just do not speak any in my care. Is that clear? Agreed. I'm suffering from a disease contracted in the basement of this awful building. I will do my best to stay quiet, to stay sentient. But if uh, my health fails me and I'm unable to maintain my concentration, please know that that is why. Duly noted. And you, young man? Yeah, yeah, of course. No problem. Uh, one question. What if 
then he asked about sleep, and you know, if we fall asleep, uh, wh what if I, what if I have bad dreams? This warm smile comes over her face, and you see almost everybody in the room turn their heads to a little alcove directly opposite the alcove you've been placed in, where there is a shrine to Desna. There's a statue of a woman in a dance pose with brilliant butterfly wings. And Winter says, thank you to the blessing of Desna. And you notice now that Winter is wearing a holy symbol of Farazma. Thank you to the blessing of Desna. The dreams that have plagued you outside will not touch you here. And with that, I want to ask everybody next week to bring a second level character sheet because that, <laughs> my friends, is the end of chapter eight. Dark Nexus is a creation of Plug and Hum Productions. This podcast uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Incorporated, which are used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. This podcast is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo Inc. For more information about Paizo's community use policy, please visit paizo.com slash community use. And for more information about Paizo and Paizo products, please visit paizo.com. That's P-A-I-Z-O dot com. Dark Nexus uses music and soundscapes by Sirenscape. Check them out at sirenscape.com. That's S-Y-R-I-N-S-C-A-P-E dot com. Opening and closing themes along with additional music composed by Rob Kozlarik. Artwork for Dark Nexus is by Matt Walquist. Special thanks to Toy, without whose generosity this project would not have been possible. And thanks to DMCP, Richard and Ari, Paul and Shannon, Chris, Scotty, Jason, Jess, Joe, Chelsea, Matt, Dave, Darren, and everyone we've gamed with over the years for all the memories and inspiration. <laughs> Yay! I've been waiting for this my whole and life. And we level. <laughs> level. Double level.